And welcome to FitSpeak, the Fraser Valley's only fitness, wellness, and endurance sports podcast. I'm Kevin Hines, along with Zach Newfeld and Kevin Watt. We're brought to you by TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. With the training season well underway, don't get left behind. Maximize your time with personalized and effective sessions, and a guide to help you along the way. TriJoy can help. Whether your goal is to lose weight, run a marathon, finish a fondo, or tackle a triathlon, it's TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. See the TriJoy link on the FitSpeak page and take your first step to the finish line. We're also brought to you by Wenting Cycle and Mission. Here is your Wenting's Word of the Week. It is Sagan. Once again, the Wenting's Word of the Week, Sagan. Mention that word to the staff the next time you're at Wenting's and you win a prize. It's just that easy. One more time, our Wenting's Word of the Week, Sagan. On the program today, our Fit Tip of the Week, the results from the Heritage to Hatsik races and mission, and our upcoming event schedule. There's a lot of ways you could describe Abbotsford's Vince Delano. Web developer, entrepreneur, pro soccer player, dad, singer, social activist, elite triathlete. In his 50 years on the planet, Vince has done many things very well. In our new FitSpeak series, we'll get a chance to learn about this multifaceted guy. In our second installment, we find out secrets on how to become a professional soccer player, or triathlete for that matter. This is... Vince Speaks. We, we did move around a lot. You know, my uh, m- when we first came to Canada, and I mentioned that my dad uh, jobs fell through, and he had, didn't have much of an education at the time because of, uh, you know, the Second World War and then the 50s and things like that. You know, we had to move around a lot. And so we, we struggled as a family for a while, uh, but eventually... Um, moved back to the Lower Mainland, and and my father worked in recreation. So he, oh, he was the manager of the Langley Civic Center and and worked in recreation and was recreation director in a couple of towns around around British Columbia, a place called Vanderhoof, a place called Canal Flats. Uh, Eventually, we ended up uh, in Abbotsford, where he um, ended his career as a, a manager of the facilities out here, the pools and the arenas and things like that, looked after their, uh, their maintenance and, um, and loved that job actually. So, uh, it, because he was, he was always close to sports. Um, uh, it, even in an indirect way, he knew that whatever he was doing was going to give people the opportunity to engage in sports. So throughout his career, his professional career, it was always top of his mind. At first, it was with his kids. But the reason why there is soccer in the Caribou uh, area, the Prince George Vanderhoof area, is my dad started soccer there. Hmm. He worked with Glenn Johnson, a former Whitecap, to bring uniforms. He organized the leagues. The very first game, the very first whistle wouldn't have happened without my hmm. dad being recreation director in Vanderhoof. In Vanderhoof, but out of Prince George, right? Out of Prince George, mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, so all kinds of firsts. The very first swimming pool Vanderhoof ever saw was an above-ground pool on the arena floor <laughs> at the arena my dad was hired to build in Vanderhoof. And it was big enough that you could have swimming lessons there. So there are kids in the interior that know how to swim purely because my dad built an above-ground pool on an arena floor in, in, in the summer, the two-week summer that they have in Vanderhoof. Um, so, you know, it was always a real focus for him. So he was always, 
making choices that would uh, first help my brother and I with what we want to do athletically, but but that spread out in in big ways. So he was always involved in, in soccer, particularly with the BC under-21s, the Canadian under-21s and under-19 teams, and he was always coaching. And, and unlike today, in those days, there was no pay. It was completely volunteer. Um, and as I mentioned, even the offer of coaching the Whitecaps didn't come with a lot of money. Mm -hmm. So you really had to love sports and, uh, his enthusiasm and hard work, you know, really did infect both my brother and I. So, uh, we played hockey and soccer and, um, you know, we always explored how far we could go in, in both of those things. So I'm going to stop you right there and, mm -hmm. uh, because you were a professional soccer player. Tell us about the road that you traveled in order to become a pro. Yeah, well, you know, it's uh, it starts out by accident and then ends up pretty A purposeful. good accident? Yeah, well, you know, I think, I think every kid has dreams of being, you know, if you're Canadian, you dream of being an NHL star and... You know, uh, in England, when you're born, the, mm. you know, the, the, the family says, oh, you'll play for England one day, mm. you know, and and um, and you try and you, you know, there's there's some elements to being a professional. And, and I always say that with a little bit of a qualification, because uh, I played in the uh, just to give the listener some context. There was the old white caps in the North American Soccer League. And um, when that soccer league folded. Uh, before the Canadian Soccer League really got running, there was a semi-pro league in between those times. This is in the 80s. And um, there was an eight-team league. Um, that league still exists today as the Pacific Coast Soccer League, I think. Um, and they're considered a premier level league now as opposed to a semi-professional league. Mm. Uh, but I was a young guy. I was, uh, I think my first game was before my 17th birthday. So you were still um, in high school? I was still in high school. I, I um, uh, was maybe the fall of the year I graduated, actually. An interesting social life, going to high school, playing pro soccer? Yeah, well, you know, the worlds didn't didn't cross at all. Mm. You know, um, the the other soccer players in school that knew that I was playing at Swan Guard Stadium with 10,000 people cheering away, um, they kind of kept very clear of me. It, you know, really excelling in sports is very isolating. Um, the commitment that it takes, the hours that you put in, the things that you can't do. Yeah, it's, you know, you make those choices when you're young uh, because you're passionate about it. Um, but I, a little later on, and to give you the comparison there, a little later on in life, I coached soccer and I coached five-year-old boys for a few years. And, and you know, uh, parents would say, I, you know, I really think my sons could be a pro one day. And at, you know, at, at three years old, my dad had me juggling a grapefruit. Um, <laughs> uh, at 12 years old, um, I competed in the Coca-Cola Kid Contest against 17-year-olds and came second to the guy that went and beat everybody in the world. Wow. Um, and, and again, by 16, 17, uh, I was playing the top-level soccer that you could in this country. And, and, um, and there was still people that was telling, saying I wasn't good enough. Um, mm. So, uh, but there's a, you know, there's, there's, there's a work ethic that's required. And I think you have to be a bit born with that. Uh, I think that's more important than talent, actually, um, is being born with the work ethic. Um, then there's the perseverance over a period of time. You know, you, you, you can't take the day off or the week off or the month off. Mm -hmm. um, and so when everybody else goes home from practice, that's when I started. Mm. You know, uh, 
uh, I would say that I practiced every day of my life. And maybe there were some exceptions, but I was never without a soccer ball. And, um, and if I had some talent, um, then, you know, maybe that accelerated the process for me in somewhat. And, and if I hadn't had some injuries, then, you know, maybe it would have seen me through to a, to a career. Um, you know, I had some trials lined up that might have seen me head off to England and play in that league at that, uh, in the Premier League there or in some league there. The childhood aspect of it or the, the building up to a place where you can really excel is not a lot different than what you see in triathlon. I, I think most people start out in triathlon and they don't have an idea they're going to be a pro. I, I think they uh, want to try the sport and then they have a work ethic that sees them put in more time than the average triathlete. And then there's some accelerating factor, whether it's success that fuels their passion or whether it's a talent or even, even you know, triathlon's a little different in that there's a physiology, a physiological component that, you know, if you're genetically gifted, you can see some acceleration of your m movement towards the, the podium in triathlon. And, um, and so all those things sort of need to come together. Uh, but number one, that, that work ethic mm -hmm. has to be, has to be full of passion and, uh, has to be, uh, it, it can't be, no one else can give it to you. No one else can inspire you to that work ethic. No one else can say, Hey, it's, you've had a long day, but you still got four hours of, of <laughs> practicing to do yeah. today. Um, and even mindsets about things, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a strange individual in that I'm a natural left foot. What does I'm, that mean? I'm, I'm right-handed, but I kick with my left oh, foot. Oh, you mean that literally? <laughs> Absolutely literally, yeah. I'm left-eye dominant, so I mm. do all kinds of goofy things on my left side. Mm. But I'm right-handed and uh, and shoot hockey right, mm. uh, but do all sorts of other things left. Mm. And um, in soccer, it's not good to be mono-foot. You mm. you want to be you want to be able to kick with both feet. And I, I I can't remember what age I is. I might I might have been eight, might have been ten years old, but. You know, I could kick with my right foot, but it, it was very, it was horribly weak. Mm. And so I spent an entire summer, uh, two months, and I didn't touch the ball with my left foot. Oh, And every Discipline. practice, everything. And, you know, the following year, I went on, the, you know, started playing games. And I think I scored every goal that I scored that year with my right foot. With your um, wrong foot. With my wrong yeah. foot, you know. And and so, um, you know, that, that mindset is the kind of mindset that I, that I think is is rare and limited to people that, you know, are, are pros. And in triathlon, it translates to people that look at their weak spots and train those mm -hmm. instead of what a lot of people like to do is, well, I'm, I'm a good runner. I'll rely on my run and I'll, mm. I'll keep my running going. And uh, maybe I won't swim so much because that's my... <laughs> yeah, you're not getting spot. a lot of investment. Yeah. Going back to those early years as a soccer player and all the sacrifices you had to make as a kid... You're a little bit older now. Um, what do you think you missed out on? Well, not a thing, actually. You know, I I uh, I feel incredibly blessed to have even had the opportunity, you know, to 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 have that, f even if it was ten seconds of the perfect moment in in a soccer game. You know, um, uh, life. Uh, you know, I am a little older. I'm not ancient yet. I'm. I, I'm just about to go into the fifty to the fifty-four year old. The interviewer is ancient. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are we in the same age group now in triathlon? Are we? I are don't we, think so. Are we frenemies yet? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no. I. I. Um, you know, there was a life is full of 
connected moments. And as an individual, you have a decision to make that those moments are going to be joyous or they're going to not be joyous, you know, and, and uh, a well-built life is one where you take the opportunity to connect as many joyous moments together as you can. And all sorts of things can happen in life to, 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 to change a moment, to change your experience. But you really do get to decide whether it's a learning experience, whether it's a moment of joy, whether it's a, you know, whatever it is. It's, you, the, as an individual, you have, to, you have to take that and contextualize it for your life. And so you give up the work, you give up that work time and all of that effort. What do you give it up for? Well, you give it up really to create a moment of joy that maybe would be very unique for you in your life. And, uh, and, and I, I had more than my share, fair share of those before I even turned 18 years old. You know, uh, very few people will have that um, strange moment where I remember my first sort of um, game with a really big audience where it's, you know, uh, five, seven, eight thousand people have paid to watch you play a game that you love. And then uh, f- people are standing waiting at the back gate for to sign for your, your, your autograph. Heavy stuff. I didn't even have an, uh, I didn't even have a signature at that time. You know? <laughs> How often do you sign your name mm. by the time you're 17 years yeah. old? You, you, you don't do it very often. Mm. And so I'm signing autographs and one of the more senior players said, uh, don't use your real signature. <laughs> make something up like there's a real signature yeah like Stuff don't use you learn. Real, yeah, yeah you know and um so he whispers this to me and 30 minutes later we're done signing autographs and it was a surreal moment but mm. it's one of those that i just you know like the like being face to face with Pelé on his mm. last game i'm like you know this is one that i'm going to put in the memory banks yeah 50 years later mm. i will still uh talk about and people will still think i'm full of bullcrap <laughs> <laughs> And here's your FitSpeak 32 upcoming event schedule. Our first big event we want to tell you about is the annual Run for Water. And wow, how this event has grown in the past few years. This time we want to tell you about their new options over at Sumas Mountain. This year you have the option of hitting the trails and you can choose your distance. It can be a 10, 25, or a 50 kilometer event. So start training. This one takes place, like I said, on Sumas Mountain on Saturday, May 26th. Get your sign-up information at runforwater.ca. That's runforwater.ca. Looking ahead to events in the warmer months, over in Fort Langley, the folks at Prospera Credit Union are gearing up for the 6th edition of the Fraser Valley Grand Fondo. As always, there's three distances as well, a 50, a 100, and a 160-kilometer event. Until May the 1st, you can take advantage of early bird pricing. So pick your distance, whip out that credit card, and start training. Oh yeah, head over to valleygrandfondo.com to get more details. And when you combine biking and running, you get my favorite sport, and that, of course, is duathlon. And a reminder, out in Port Coquitlam, the annual Creek Classic event is coming up on Sunday, April 22nd. You get to run 4.5, bike for 20, and then run another 4.5. The whole event is out on trails, so leave that road bike at home and bring your trusty old mountain bike or maybe your cross bike if you have one of those. Google Classic Creek Duathlon. You'll get more details there. Finally, a reminder, if you have an event, whether that's a race, a clinic, or a new fitness group, we want to hear about it. Leave us a comment on the FitSpeak homepage, and we will be in touch with you. And that's your upcoming event schedule.
And here are your Fitzbeak 32 race results traveling over to Mission for the annual Heritage to Hatsik race that was held on Sunday, April the 8th. In the 5K, the overall winner was Chris Race from Mission in a time of 22 minutes. Also on the podium, Milan Nomenden from Mission and Chantel Robertson got third. In the men's race, your overall 5K winner, Mark Klassen, in a time of 16.04. Also on the podium, Hans Zimmerling and David Wabai got third. Now, turning to the 10-kilometer race, the overall winner was Vanessa Cork from Chilliwack in a time of 41.49. Also on the podium, Lana Guthrie from Chilliwack just five seconds back. And Mission's Annette Eng got third. Turning over to the men's 10K, the overall race winner in a time of 35 minutes from Abbotsford, Ryan Prochmau. Coming in second, Benjamin Schmidt from Chilliwack, and also taking third from Abbotsford, a member of the Abbotsford Triathlon Club, Darren Koop setting a personal best, he got third. And here's your Fitspeak 32 Fit Tip of the Week. As we've mentioned quite a few times here on Fitspeak, the wise way to get fit and to get happy is to eat the right foods, exercise in moderation with a blend of strength training, core work, and stretching, plus a healthy dose of cardio. But one thing we haven't really gotten into is that third part of the wellness pyramid, and that is rest. For some of us, rest is the easiest of the three things to do, but for others, it can be the most challenging. Before we get too carried away, let's define what rest really is. Our Fitzbeak definition of rest is giving your body and your mind opportunity to relax and repair itself after a period of stress. Now, a rest day isn't really restful if you spend it all day doing chores. You're on your feet or you're in a stressful environment. The goal, of course, is to sleep as restfully as you can for as long as you can. But unless you're a professional athlete or professional koala bear, this goal can be quite unrealistic. So, as a working person with a job and a family, how do you manage getting that coveted rest? One of the ways I like to approach it is that rest is not an all-or-nothing thing. I hear some people complaining they're stressed out, that they're not getting enough sleep. Can you just smell the irony in that statement? So, let me introduce you to the wonders of napping. Now, napping isn't some forbidden, shameful, deviant thing that you can only tell your therapist or in the confession booth. It's something you can do every day, and the benefits of napping are well documented. According to the American National Sleep Foundation, one of them is that naps lower stress, which in turn can help reduce your chance of heart attacks. So let's attack with a strategy. The key to napping is being a time weasel, always looking for opportunities to get in two minutes or four minutes or maybe even a blissful 10 minutes. And before you go on and say, I can't fall asleep in two minutes, I would say that like many things in life, napping is an acquired skill. And even if you can't fall asleep in that time, taking a short brain and body break is going to make you a faster athlete than checking out your Facebook account for the second time this morning. Now that we've established that even a two-minute nap or rest is better than nothing, we need to figure out a place where you can nap. 
Of course, if you're one of those work-at-home types that the rest of us so detest, you can do it wherever you want. For the rest of us, we have to be creative time weasels. The obvious choice is your vehicle. If you are like the 85% of our Fitspeak listeners, you actually drive to work, and that means you have your own personal sanctuary. Problem solved. While the rest of your cronies at work are smoking those Craven A's or rehashing how well the Canucks are golfing, it is April after all, you're slithering off to your car for a few minutes of solitude and rest. The first few times you do it, you might feel a bit, mm, weaselly, but ask yourself this, how much more legitimate is it going to be costing the same amount of time filling your lungs with crap that's going to cost your employer and the provincial healthcare system just over three grand per year, according to the CBC website. That should relieve some of the guilt, at least. Now, if you don't have a car to sneak off to, or you have to park way too far away to have a discreet nap, you'll have to be even more creative as a time weasel in order to get that nap. Ideally, you would want to be lying down, but once again, this is not an all-or-nothing strategy. If you have an office job in your own office, close and hopefully lock that door. Lights off, and you're good to go. If you're a cubicle weasel, on the other hand, a more stuffful approach is required. The big question here is, where can you discreetly grab a few minutes of shut-eye? Perhaps an unused office or some storage room in the building that'll give you the chance to turn off the lights, close your eyes, and give yourself a rest, whether that's five or ten minutes. A reconnaissance mission of your workplace is in order. That I'll leave up to you. So to recap, to get faster and be healthier, you need sleep. For many of us, we don't get enough. One solution, napping. Even three to five minutes will help. To grab a nap, you need to be a creative time weasel. Search out those opportunities wherever and whenever you happen to need that nap. You'll be a better athlete and a happier person for it. For the Fit Tip of the Week, I'm Kevin Hines. And that's it for another edition of FitSpeak, the Fraser Valley's only wellness, fitness, and endurance sports podcast. FitSpeak is brought to you by Wentings in Mission. Your Wentings word of the week is Sagan. FitSpeak is also brought to you by TriJoy, the spirit of multisport. Take your first step to the finish line by starting with TriJoy. See the link at the bottom of this page to get in touch and to get going. Join us in just a couple of days when we'll have a special FitSpeak interview with Nathan Killam. He'll be talking about what it's like to be a new dad, a full-time firefighter, and a professional triathlete. Zach Neufeld will also be here for his latest segment of Between the Ears. For all of us here at FitSpeak, I'm Kevin Hines. Thanks for listening.